That's Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley. And on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome Fangraphs lead prospect analyst Eric Longenhagen back to the program. We discuss a few moments of potentially questionable decision-making during the World Series, some umpiring choices during that same fall classic, and our experience of robo-umps in the Arizona Fall League, as well as a few prospects who stood out there, and the merits of the word spooktacular. A word of warning for those listeners with tender ears, this episode does contain three swears. Those swears are well-telegraphed and are not the fault of Dylan Higgins, who is away, but are instead the fault of the host who got flummoxed at the prospect of editing them out. Generous listeners who are not undone by those bad words might describe this episode as loose. Those with a vendetta against the host might instead think that said host sounds tired. Both may be correct. All of that, including the swears, is coming up, but first, it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com. For the monthly cost of a can of cranberry sauce, you can support all the great work at Fangraphs, including our Top 50 Free Agents post, which will drop next week, Eric and Kylie McDaniel's Top Prospect lists, which will kick off soon, and the fine work of our contributing writers, including Tony Wolf and the newly signed Michael Augustine. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being complete, I take you to my conversation with Eric Longenhagen, lead prospect analyst, which begins right now. sound great we're recording now uh i have a cran raspberry seltzer which feels sort of seasonal to me of all the seltzer flavors that feels like a a fall flavor so that's my seltzer for the day i if you you maybe have addressed this because you've heard me either burp or hold the (laughs) can close to the micro microphone and you've heard the bubbles going um i have the the kroger pink grapefruit Oh, we we do like that pink grapefruit. Yeah, so that's the. Um, I'm farther into it than I than I want to be, given that given that we're 40 seconds into the pod. But <laughs> we can always take a break if we need to. Uh, when I went to to Target this past weekend, in my brief uh, break of like being a person out in the world away from baseball, uh, you know, I had to I had to restock some some household wares, get new cleaning supplies, and also you know I was out of like my multivitamins and whatnot. And I saw on the shelf at Target, a Target brand, uh, you know, they have like fish oil gel tabs. Mm -hmm. And then they have a burp less fish oil gel tab. And I thought, well, first of all, this is copy edited about as well as you would expect uh, in a way that makes you uh, wonder, does does the fish oil make you burp less? Is it burpless fish oil? It's very confusing. And also I wondered if it was targeted at seltzer drinkers. That is one of the downsides. You just fill up with bluster and carbon dioxide, I guess. Yeah, it does have – it has a cost. It has uh, a cost. There is it is a non-caloric cost, <laughs> but there are consequences. Yeah. And it's – you spend really, you know, $9 more on water every two weeks yep. than you have to be. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. why. What is it you think about people – in that that's that this became a thing i never would have anticipated enjoying this type of beverage when i was younger why did have we all sort of settled on this as as our drink of choice 
I mean, I think that people like uh, beverages that are somewhat effervescent, uh, like seltzers tend to be, as you said, you know, as compared to say soda, um, seltzers, you get, you get some flavor, but you don't get, um, the, the sweetener or calorie hit. Uh, and you know, there's some bit of trend business associated with that. I'm drinking a, a LaCroix, which, you know, I'm feeling bad about because they're just overpriced in general. They're tagline on this i've never noticed before it's zero calorie zero sweetener zero sodium equals innocent so i'm gonna noodle on that in a way that i'm not gonna feel good about later don't know about that eric we are recording on it's thursday today's thursday uh it's thursday yep, <laughs> yep it's thursday it's halloween there that's a day we actually uh, uh can maybe isolate in our go. brains it is the day after the conclusion of the world series the Washington Nationals are World Series champions. So I thought we'd, you know, we'd do a little World Series talk and maybe um, at the tail end of this episode a little bit of Fall League talk, which has also concluded. We're just full in the off season now. <sighs> yeah, we're still busy. It's still busy, but it's a different kind of busy, and it's going to involve a lot of waiting around probably. Um, how, much of the, how much of the post-game World Series celebration do you watch? That's a great question. I watched more of it. Uh, I I enjoy. I don't know. I just enjoy seeing guys be like being happy in public and having to uh, grapple with very strong human feelings in front of other people, mm-hmm. which is probably voyeuristic in a way that I should talk to a therapist about. But um, <laughs> so I watched. I watched a fair amount of it, and I wanted to know uh, who they were going to go with for MVP. So I stuck around, you know, while I was doing administrative fan grassy things uh, through to Strasburg being named uh, MVP. And then I had to go record. Oh, see, now I've done my seltzer burp. Excuse me. Uh, then I had to go record Effectively Wild. So then I turned it off. But I got to see, uh, I got to see Strasburg given a car uh, standing next to his family. So that was that was nice. Felt like a cool little full circle moment for for Strasburg, given yeah. given the given. So this is one of those parts of baseball that is totally every time it happens, it is unique. Like mm-hmm. Anibal Sanchez and Max Scherzer having yeah. a moment like they did is just totally unique to the situation, and there are you know countless instances of that um, throughout any given team. And so yeah, I love yeah. that sort of thing. I will watch like you know the game. Elimination games of the Stanley Cup, even though I don't watch hockey otherwise, like just mm-hmm. to see that part of it, yeah, uh, like the handshake line at the end and and that type of stuff. Like I do really enjoy that. Um, so I try to watch all of and like pick up the same sort of stuff at the uh, during the championship celebrations. Um, but yeah, it's just great to watch guys who have been at this for so long like feel this feeling that especially if they yeah. haven't done it before. Yeah. Um, it, so yeah, it was it was very uh, it was very moving to watch Ryan Zimmerman mouthing in a way that was clear, like "Oh my god," <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't believe it. Right, I'm he's sure. one of those where you're just like, where I, at least I was glad to see that type of guy. Yeah, do it. You know, Gerardo yeah. Parra has been a good big, big leaker for a long time. Yeah, he gets a ring now. I mentioned Sanchez and Scherzer. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, Rendon is incredible. I'm glad yeah. that 
everyone got to see how unbelievable he is. Yeah. Uh, especially, like, stress-tested against Houston's pitching. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it sucks that it was a it was a controversial World Series in ways that were, like, adjacent to the action. Um, yeah. And then, like, the last couple games, I suppose it was... Uh, game six would be umpiring, and then uh, seven was managerial stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about the managerial stuff in a second. I am just so glad that uh, <sighs> I don't. I I wonder who is the was the most relieved that Rendon hit that home run in uh, in game six. I wonder if it was him or the commissioner. I can't decide because goodness would that have been yeah. an unbearable news cycle. I was just sitting there like, can we it's been a week. It's been a hard little run here. We're just trying to we're trying to like this thing that we like so much, but we're trying to keep liking it in an active sort of way. Let's not have this very goofy rule. You don't want it for the umpires either. I mean they didn't have to make no. that call, but they weren't wrong about well. I guess it's still open to interpretation, but they weren't necessarily obviously horrifyingly wrong uh, with the interpretation of the rule. It's just a goofy rule that's never consistently applied. So thank goodness. It's just like it's a very good thing that we didn't have to to deal with that. And instead we got to see Max Scherzer crying into (laughs) Annabelle Sanchez's chest. It's beautiful. I was watching game six at a bar that also had the Grizzlies and Lakers game on. (laughs) Um, and I was sitting near a couple of ASU kids Mm -hmm. who were there to watch like a soccer game on a third screen, I think. And they knew, like they knew they were watching the baseball game as well. Uh, and they were talking to each other and I was listening to them through most of the night, uh, while I was like sitting there eating and writing. And, uh, they, they knew enough about like baseball, but they could not because the game was on mute they couldn't figure out what was even being looked at, right. like why the umpires right. had their headphones on and were talking about anything to begin with. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, um, it just did not appear to, to be in violation of of anything. Um, even at least though there's not, like a, techni- a window of technicality yeah. that it fits through. Right. Yeah, you need uh, yeah. you need the umpire in that moment to sort of appreciate the circumstance and not center that kind of not only obscure rule but rule that is so rarely applied uh, in this moment. Right, you just need it. You need it to not be about that. So you need it to be about other stuff. I agree. I agree with that statement that the umpire needs to appreciate, like the context. Yeah. Um, because it was ultimately it was not a good throw to first right. base. Right. Um, I think that that this is part of why, and we'll talk about this later. I think either as it relates to the umpiring in general, or especially as it comes to the fall league. But this is where uh, I'm again against the idea of robot umpires. This is just I think mm-hmm. in the con column is uh, that. I forget the the pitch the specific pitch it was. It was a slider that was meant to be away from a hitter that was instead like a front door slider that Torinos had to come all the way across the strike zone. I believe this was a pitch to Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a slider inside to Zimmerman where I think it was Granky missed his spot very badly. But it was still technically a strike. Yeah. 
where to me a borderline strike that where the pitcher misses a spot like I'm cool if the umpire doesn't give it to him because it wasn't yeah. a well executed pitch. Right. Um, and then the next pitch to Zimmerwin was a curveball off the plate for a ball that was also not a strike, but was framed well that time by Torino's. Granky executed mm-hmm. that, and it was called a strike even though it was off the plate. So it was the wrong call as opposed to the correct one. And so I didn't have a problem with that. You know, like right. that's either way for me. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but um, I think that one was a little far off the plate. But again, like the spirit that, that we're talking about, the Turner rule, well, I guess it's not the Turner rule because that's a trade rule. But this <laughs> this play, the rule that governed this play, yeah. um, I think is, I agree with what you mean. It was not just in the spirit of baseball. This doesn't look to be in violation of anything. He was running right. straight to the bag. Um, I just right. think in the course of the game that the same applies to the strike zone, arguably. Yes. It would suck if Ryan Zimmerman struck out on what is ultimately a bad pitch. Like, Granky didn't right. execute that sh- that slider. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I look forward to talking more about that stuff. But then yeah. the, uh, the Game 7 thing, it seemed like that also was the case. Like, there were people who just couldn't understand um, what happened in Game 7 with the umpiring. Yeah, there were there were um it it was at times a, a generous uh zone to the pitchers um at moments that uh proved to at least especially late in some in that game stymie a potential Astros uh rally, right? I remember like Correa in particular seemed to strike out on a pitch that looked well outside of the zone. Um but I think the and you alluded to this, and I guess we can talk about it now that some of the uh the most uh vigorous hand wringing seems to have come with a j Hinch's managerial choices in the seventh, so we'll just I'll just lay these out okay. in case people were you know uh say as tired as I was while watching the game and benefited from reviewing the play <sighs> Thursday. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. That's the day. Yeah, that's our day. Okay, here we are on Thursday. So to to refresh people's memories, um, Granky had really been cruising through this game in a way that was uh, delightful. I, I, you know, didn't have a strong rooting interest in this apart from seeing good baseball and being excited for uh, a game seven and also having a fair amount of anxiety about just sort of the general anxiety about just sort of the general uh, state of Max Scherzer as a human. It was very fun to see Granky pitching so well and also fielding his position so well because uh, Fangraphs Audio is officially pro-athletic pitchers, particularly Zach Granke. Um, So he had been cruising, no trouble, up to zero. Going into the uh, seventh, I think he had only thrown like 60 pitches, 60 some odd pitches. Um, Maybe 68, 68 pitches. And then uh, Adam Eaton comes up uh, in the seventh and grounds out. And then Rendon came to the plate and homered, cut the deficit in half, and then Granke promptly walked Juan Soto. And at this point, he had thrown 80 pitches, and A.J. Hinch makes the decision to go to his bullpen. So that's the first decision, is just deciding to pull Granke at all. 
So put okay. it in that. We're going to come I, back to it, though. I agreed. I, I was agreed fine with, with it in the moment. I didn't... Uh, I think I had, a temp- I had a brief moment of like, huh, he hasn't thrown that many pitches. But I also know and appreciate why managers in elimination games of the World Series are going to tend toward conservatism in terms of the the leash that they extend a starter because you have you have your entire pitching staff that has its arms attached at your disposal right i thought there was a point where grinky had thrown like five straight balls six straight balls seven Mm -hmm. of eight or something like that where it was between that and some of the hard contact yeah, that I just thought the time was coming. Like if so, if someone was going to, we were all talking about this with Scherzer early on. Like Scherzer was getting right. hit hard. Yeah. Um, it was just right at nationals fielders. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is, I, I agree that, that, you know, making an early move on Granky was the right thing to do. He had been brilliant up to that point. But the command was wayward, and he had given up some hard contact. And so I think at that point, especially with Garrett Cole in your back pocket, which it was clear he was there. Right. He had um, been warming. Right. They sent him. He walked out to the bullpen in the middle of the game, clearly a sign that the he is part of the mix there for the last couple of innings. So I thought it was fine to move away from Granky right. at that point. Because you'd always rather pull a guy too early than too late especially when you have other options because once you pull him too late i mean it is effectively too late that's the whole thing and right. that it's like you putting know, the... too much of something in like a, a soup right you can't un you can't undo that yeah i mean you can you can try to fix it with other stuff but yeah, you have the score runs <laughs> yeah but uh you know you're at that point you're trying to overpower the fact that you put too much salt in Right, you're you're not able to undo the salt. Right. Can't there's can't still take all that salt is there. in there. All the salt's in there, and you know that change up he threw to Rendon was, you know, was a hittable pitch. So there it goes. So they pull Granky, and then, having made that choice, they bring in Will Harris. They bring in Will Harris to face Howie Kendrick, who hit a home run. And now, suddenly, the Astros, who had been ahead 2-0 to start the inning, are behind 3-2. That seems bad. So, Harris lasts another batter and gets uh, hit, and just dribble Cabrera hits a single, and then Hinge decides to go to Roberto Osuna. So this is the other big decision that is being, one of the other big decisions that's being talked about here is the decision to bring in Harris over Osuna in that moment. What did you make of that choice? I think that 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 assumes that Osuna and Cole together bridge the last three innings. Yeah. I think that given that the meat of Washington's order had passed at that point. Right. That you can justify having Harris face Kendrick through the bottom of the order and have Osuna holstered to face, you know, the top of the order next inning mm-hmm. or just a better slate of hitters at some point later on if he needs to. Right. But I also think it's reasonable to think that Garrett Cole should have just pitched in this game. Right. Um, and that, so then 
he is better suited to pitch to those better hitters, and that Osuna should have just entered the game there. And and the justification that Hinch gave after the game sounded very unHinch-like. Did you did you no, hear what, what did he, he said? So say? what he said was that Cole was available, but that the plan was in part because they wanted him to come in at the start of an inning because he hadn't mm. pitched in relief since college and then had only done it, I think, the one time. Um, that they wanted him uh, to come in at the start of the inning and that the plan was that he would pitch the ninth, that he would specifically pitch the ninth. And that is where this starts to really fall apart because, one, coming from A.J. Hinch, that sounds like an explanation that is perhaps obscuring other factors in this decision because that seems like a very un-Astros way to think about how you're going to piece together the rest of this once you pull Granky. Um, and right. I can't imagine that he couldn't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I won't claim to know Garrett Cole and perhaps Hinch right. had a good reason to think that he really did need to come in when a clean inning starts. But then it seems like the ideal sequencing would be to go to Osuna and then just have Cole come in in the eighth. Right? Yeah. I think that that is also fine. Yeah. The, we don't know. The things that we don't know are what you said. Are like, right. did Garrett Cole, who is about to become a free agent, or someone part of his camp or whatever, was there a, I will do this if it is the ninth. Like, I want to be on the mound to end the thing. Like, we don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's um, true. So, and it's also possible that Cole got, was warming up and that Houston has like a Rapsodo or something in the bullpen mm-hmm. that indicated that this guy's stuff is not where it Fair. needs to be. Yeah. That's the other thing that I that I have like down is like that's maybe a thing that happened that we don't know. Right. That as this guy was getting loose, there was a way for Houston to know that uh uh-uh, this is actually maybe not a good idea. Right. Um which is I also think a possibility. You're getting Pretty instantaneous feedback with yeah. the tech. Right. Um, I think that's why we've seen some pitchers struggle early and settle down. Mm-hmm. Because there are ways of looking at video and the data yep. that enable you to make adjustments. And we, we heard some of that with uh, with Strasburg in Game 6, right? That um, one of their advanced scouts noticed... Uh, something from the first inning when he was when he did look like he was struggling a bit and was down um that might have although the astros have certainly not confirmed that they saw him tipping pitches that he might be betraying what he was throwing and he made an adjustment and then had the rest of that outing which was sterling um right and it was it was earlier in the postseason right when strasburg made a second start uh in a series against atlanta Mm -hmm. Uh, atlanta if you you know follow where the people who have been hired from Houston have gone. Um, Atlanta, you know, is one of those places. So yeah. they would, if there's, if guys are tipping pitches, uh, Houston is, seems to be good at understanding this. Um, yeah. And uh, it takes, it probably takes watching the, the first start. Um, and I think that's why the effects of them understanding it are amplified in the second start. Right. 
and with liquid glass now as well. Right, right, exactly. And so, and uh, if they were to have seen something on a rap soda with Cole as he was warming and said, "Hey, man, not tonight," it might also account for um, his demeanor after the game, which might be described as prickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, when you lose a World Series, that sucks. Yeah, you're just prickly I no matter what. And yeah, so it's I fine. Feel, yeah. Oh, it's fine. I don't mean it as a. But I wonder. No, I know. Criticism. But I'm just curious of what, like, I'd like a more. I don't have a firm grasp on what Garrett Cole was feeling based on the way he behaved, and so that bothers right. me. And so, like, I want him to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> like more like, specifically, because just because yeah. I'm nosy, but he doesn't yeah. have to. No, he doesn't have to, but I am curious. You know, it seems that there were um, – he uh, he had collected in his little basket of emotions a variety of, of motivations, and I don't know what they all were, and I want I want to know about it. So, so that happened. So Cole doesn't pitch at all, potentially because of the explanations that Hinch gave, potentially for other reasons that they weren't keen to disclose. Uh, the Nationals added on. They won the World Series. Now the World Series is over. What was your general World Series viewing experience? Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I missed some of two games to be at either uh, fall college scrimmage or um, fall league games. Mm-hmm. So, but I watched. I want to say. I watched all of game six and seven um, and game one and then parts of all the other games. So uh, you saw the best a, games. Right. I yeah. had – so I had a pretty good time. I was not really subject to the, the games that people deemed boring. Um, and I always – the contrast between what I'm watching in person and what I'm seeing on my tablet or uh, – television screen like I would just have you know my tablet open at Folly Games resting yeah. on the seat in front of me with the World Series game on um, thank you press box Wi-Fi and so <laughs> I got to just watch all this stuff you know like half paying attention to it and to literally watch in real time the best guys and Arizona State's freshmen mm-hmm. uh, you know it's incredible so I just have an appreciation for what it is we're watching at that level because uh, I'm subject to baseball that's not as good most of the time. Uh, yeah. And so that's the part of it that I, you know, just blows me away. Um, the fe- You know, just how good Anthony Rendon is. Yeah. Um, and how good Bregman is. Yeah. And um, how athletic Carlos Correa is for his size. Like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So that is the sort of stuff that I love. Well, it has to be um... – I would imagine the other thing that really would jump out, having had the experience, granted not of World Series baseball, but you know when I was down for fall league, to then turn on uh, major league games, even for fall leaguers who are pro, you know they're pro ball players, and many of them are the best prospects of their respective organizations. Just the uh, velocity difference that you might see in a in an actual major league game versus the non you know Shane Baz <laughs> hurlers yeah, that we're throwing followers. the non yeah the non Baz 
foliars. That's hard to say. Uh, you know, you you appreciate uh, the the velo you're seeing in the majors in a in a different sort of way when you see where some of the guys who are still uh, climbing a ladder are topping out at. You're like, oh, all right, this is this is where that difference stands. I get it now. Would imagine it's even starker when you're seeing college players. Yeah, and then you. What's also incredible is when you see Zach Greinke, who's throwing about as hard as Boyd Vanderkoy, uh, and not Great even name. as hard as R.J. Dapovich is. Also a good um, name. Then you ha- you also. I was just blown away by the craftsmanship of it. I guess. Yeah. Just and so like defensively so great. Yeah. Like really, it, really amazing. <laughs> yeah, and quite a uh, you know a very concentrated display of Zach Granke athletic pitcher. You know, it felt like the way that he had you know that they had decided to sequence him, the approach that he was taking to many of those uh, of those hitters. We got a lot more Zach Granke fielding his position than even you know we had seen on you know, just an average start, just a regular old start. So it was it was quite a fun way to go out um, when you're when you're sitting there watching him because you're like, wow, he really is significantly better at this. And to see the contrast in how he finishes versus Scherzer, you're like, oh, this is why <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> Can really, it's a it's an illuminating contrast, as it were. Do you have any uh, further thoughts on these two franchises as they enter an off season? Cole Rendon, both free agents. Strasburg, free agents. I think those are all Boris clients, by the they're, way. Yeah, they're all they're they're all Boris clients. I and we have talked about this. I made this point to to Ben on effectively wild yesterday. I think that uh, the approach to this off season that he takes is one of the things that I am sort of the the keenest to watch. Uh, last year, you know, it was Machado and Harper, but he only got to help choreograph half of that dance. And, uh, you know, obviously he's not the only one who's going to play a hand in how this all uh, works out, but he potentially is going to be able to choreograph the, the most significant moves of this offseason and sequence them in a way that is preferable. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Strasburg opts out but ends up back in D.C. Like that seems like a, uh, on, under a new contract, that seems like a thing yeah. that could happen. Um, but we will get to see a version probably not the absolute ideal version because again the teams are going to have influence here but we will get to see boris's preferred off-season plan play out in some way shape or form uh and that'll just be interesting to to see because you know he hasn't had that opportunity in quite this way in a little bit so i'm excited for that um how about kyle tucker Brantley like, and Reddick, like yeah, and Kyle Tucker, and, and you Kyle Tucker, yeah. Uh, Kyle Tucker looks like uh, Ichabod Crane from the animated Legends of Sleepy Hollow, which feels like a good spooky reference here on Halloween. I, um, I enjoy watching him play, if for no other reason than. I totally understand why scouts watching him questioned 
how interested in doing this he seemed to be. Uh, and yet it, it still works pretty well. <laughs> Um, he does have moments where he sort of swings out of his shoes and looks a bit silly, but, um, I don't know. He's, he's just interest. He's interesting to watch cause he doesn't look like he's trying all that hard, even though you, you know that he is. Um, he was attacked almost a hundred percent of the time with velocity at the top of the zone. Yep. His swing is geared for contact towards the bottom of the zone. Yep. Um, but he's tough to beat in. Yep. He still can like get those hands in and rip the barrel through in a way where he's mm-hmm. still hitting for power. Uh, but at the top of the zone, and, and you're right, like, so I can't explain some of those pitches he swung at. Like, I mean, they were... his head. They were... He... he. Uh, I mean, he didn't have an especially incredible um, postseason, although he had 15 plate appearances, so whatever, it doesn't really um, matter much. But I think he had a... He had a swinging strike against... The race against Blake Snell. I'm trying to think back because I wrote that sounds I, right. I wrote the game recap, so I should have a better handle on it. Um, he's he swung at a pitch that was a more than a foot above the zone. <laughs> uh, so he had a couple where you're like, "Oh no, Kyle, what you mm-hmm. doing there, friend?" Um, I don't know. I think the Astros will continue to be really good. I am very curious to see how, if at all, some of the um, fallout, if there is fallout and how it manifests from um, them exposing some of the more unsavory elements of their organizational approach this offseason, or postseason rather. I remain skeptical that it'll end up mattering a whole lot, but that might just be me being cynical. Um, But they're, you know, they're set up for a a good little run here, although they do have some free agent decisions looming in the next couple of years that are going to be kind of interesting to to watch because I can't imagine that they are going to be able to bring Springer and Correa back. Um, and they are aging. They are oddly aging. They are older than you imagine them to be as a team, for a team that is sort of yeah. prized for player dev. Uh, well, this is remember- not an especially young squad. Altuve, uh, Altuve, Springer were both in the org before. I think Altuve was signed before Ed Wade was even the GM. That might be true. It might have been the same year, but I think Ed Wade became the GM like that offseason. And Springer was an Ed Wade era draft pick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like some of the core has been in place in the system. For a while. For longer than this regime has been around. Right. Um, but, right, uh, so yeah, they are sneaky in, old. Yeah, because Altuve was signed in 2007, according to there our, you go. our wonderful pal, uh, Jason Martinez's great roster resource depth chart pages. I had another seltzer, but I don't know how well I hit it. Um, and then Springer was that 11 draft. So... Yeah, they're it was a good they're, draft. It was a good draft. Uh, they're surprisingly older than you would uh, necessarily think. Yes, and, but he was a college guy. Yeah, um, and beyond twenty twenty two, the only guys who are signed sort of long term at this point are Altuve and Bregman, and then I guess you have. Alvarez, who won't be a free agent until 2026 because right. he's not even arb eligible yet. 
Um, so they will have some decisions soon, but they aren't going to face much outside of the Ray or the A's. My goodness, my brain is made of cheese. Outside of the A's in their own division. So I imagine they'll hang around for uh, for a good minute in a pretty serious way. I mean, this is a very good baseball team that just happened to run into a national squad that um, yeah. only needed to trust four and a half pitchers. But what a yeah, what I a good they're... what a good four and a half pitchers those were. Yeah, I think Houston's fine. I think they'll be fine. I think fine. they're going to be really good next year again. That's yeah, I think, I think they'll be fine. I think that the Nationals are in an interesting spot because should uh, should Strasburg opt out and leave and Rendon not return, they actually do have a fair number of wins that they're going to have to replace on that 25-man. Carter uh, Keboom awaits. That's true. So that's helpful. Yeah. Not saying he's Anthony Rendon or whatever. No, but but it doesn't. It's not a. It's not a bad uh, fallback to have. Yeah, that's good. Um, And yeah, I think that Victor Robles probably has room to improve offensively. His barrel accuracy has been not as good as I thought it would be based on what I saw in the minors. I think he's going to be a four bat guy with. Uh, like he'll run into some some power, yeah, uh, and you know just because of his speed, he'll he'll turn things into extra bases that ordinarily shouldn't be. So there'll like be superficial power, um, but as a hitter, I he's not d- developed as well as I hoped. Yeah, I mean, granted, he was going up against some of the the you know two two Cy Young candidates in that Houston team plus that bullpen, but he looked quite overmatched for most of that World Series. He struggled uh in part because he got really ungenerous ungenerous uncharitable is the word that i want Mm, my stars um (laughs) i'm doing great it's fine (sighs) see the rapsodo would say in the bullpen that you should not go in no but here we are already recording my goodness what will we do um he he had some tough zones thrown his way throughout that uh, postseason, which didn't help. That was not the only reason that he struggled at the plate, but it certainly was uh, added some insult to uh, injury there. So, but yeah, he doesn't seem like a a, a bat that's going to carry you. They'll probably just like everyone has to every off season. They'll have to have pitching depth, mm-hmm. but Soto, Robles, Eaton, back. Um, Keyboom up probably Turner. I have I don't really like Trey Turner defensively at short, but um, well, or at least I think you can do better. But there's not really anywhere to stick him in the outfield. Like center right. field is the natural fit there, uh, and I don't think that happens. So uh, short of him moving to second base, and I'm not sure that would go. Like the issues would just remain at second base. With like yeah. the actions and hands and stuff. In fact, I think they might be more exposed at second base. And and uh, did you, in your uh, viewing of um, post-game interviews, watch him show his hand? His, I, I I'm did. Gonna say, I'm going to say, Dylan, I'm going to do a swear, but because Dylan is taking vacation that is very well-deserved, I will be editing this, so I'm saying for myself, Meg, I'm going to do a swear. I swear, that hand is so fucked up, they should cut the finger just right off. They should just cut it off. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, Why did they keep showing it? 
He looks like I, so, he he's played he he plays baseball not football. That was like, I know, but that was like lineman finger. What the yes. hell? If you, I think I've probably uttered this phrase on the Fangraphs audio airwaves before, but please Google Chuck Benarek's fingers Ugh. and hands. Uh, I've had the pleasure of of shaking the late the late Chuck Benarek's hands, and they are grotesque. Um, or were rather. I remember. Well, I imagine they're more grotesque now. There, oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> there's also the. There's probably on YouTube because everything is on there. That if you Jake Delome, was it Jake Delome or was it Steve Berline? It was one of the former Panthers quarterbacks had a dislocated pinky that the camera accidentally gets a good look at during the yeah. game. Uh, that's a memorable one for me. So yeah, but I've never seen it on a on a baseball player quite like that before. Calvin Johnson's fingers are messed up. Did yes. you read the, the, the piece about Calvin yes. Johnson? Yes, and his his fingers look. Ugh. Oh my stars! It's bad. So so they shouldn't actually cut off Trey Turner's finger. <laughs> Did anyone? Definitely wouldn't help with the fielding. I'm sure he thinks it's worth it, right? I guess that's a question for later, but. I mean, Whatever. he has a he has a World Series ring now. So in this, yeah, in where's this, he gonna put it? <laughs> we don't wear them on your pointer fingers. I know, but the joke was there to make. <laughs> it would be funny if that were the preferred uh, finger to wear rings on, especially big, gaudy. Like, um, I'm gonna do another swear. I might just forget to edit these out because it sounds complicated, and I haven't <laughs> done it before. So. I'll let people know before the episode starts. Uh, Just release whether... the podcast after 10 p.m. It's fine. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, you know, like a pointer, your pointer finger is like your, I know that the middle finger is used for flipping people off, but I've always thought that your pointer finger is actually the fuck you finger. Because it's like, you know, when you're getting getting up in somebody's face and you're being aggressive, you point, you, you do that little dabby point that you do and i think that doing that with a world series ring would be especially intimidating and he can't do it (laughs) they should make him a a ring that's that is looks especially nice on his like curled finger oh yeah he should get a special i mean like those rings yeah he should get us a special dispensation for his for his finger he was injured in the in the line of duty, right? So you know, it seems like the least that they can do. Um, so I still think that the Nationals will be good long term. Uh, they'll figure it out. They're comfortable paying. I don't know Max Scherzer's grandchildren in perpetuity. The pitching, the pitching depth because the they pitching need to is figure old. That. The pitching so is old. They probably will need depth. Yeah. But Roark or some, you know, just that type of a bunch of those guys them, like that. Yeah, throw them together in spring and see what's good. At some point, they will. I mean, just seemingly by the law of large numbers, luck their way into a bullpen that's worth uh, worth a damn. But this uh, this postseason, gosh, aren't they so glad that they spent 190 million dollars on Patrick Corbin? But they're pretty happy about that choice. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think that's the full, you know. Yeah. They'll have those guys. Yeah. It's easy to acquire relief pitching. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been for them historically, but <laughs> in theory it is, right? Um, 
I I would put my own perf- I think you have been fine on the pod, good even. Um I put my own performance at like maybe a 45, but we're just going to roll with it and people are going to be generous because it's been a long uh two months and everyone knows that and uh we can be kind to our friends in moments when they're uh audibly tired as i seem to be uh we should talk about fall league for a little bit here before we conclude because um fall league also saw some umpiring um business that i think is okay so we should talk about how do you how do you feel because like jeff passon wrote the robot umps piece during the world series like hey this is coming yes it seems likely to be coming yeah they were showing pitch locations with with greater detail during the World Series broadcast in they the way weren't. that mirrors uh, what you see in tennis. That's not a thing that we would get during most baseball broadcasts. No. Um, so I paid attention to that. Um, have where do you stand now after having been out here, have having seen a, an automated strike zone at the Fall League games, and then watching? High stakes umpiring in the World Series. Has your opinion on robot umpires doing balls and strikes shifted in any way? Not really. At least you're still anti-robot umps. I still am anti-robot umps, and not in a me being paranoid about the machines rising up and killing us all kind of way. Although that does remain a concern of mine. <laughs> um, but in a, I I think that what the demonstration of it in fall league showed because salt river had a robo zone was that um first of all it's going to take a a not small adjustment on the part of both pitchers and hitters to get used to the presence of that zone which you know pitchers and hitters have to adjust to things all the time so long term that's not a reason to do it but i think that the exact uh character and contour of those adjustments is still something that those guys are going to sort out. Um, I think our understanding of the zone as fans has adapted to a version of what we see in the big leagues now. And that isn't to say that there weren't umpiring problems throughout the postseason. Like there were calls that were not good that ended up having a meaningful impact on the outcome of a particular at bat and the outcome of some games. And, I still think that we do not uh, we don't have a full appreciation of what that zone is going to look like, and without that context for fans, I don't think that the viewing experience will actually be better. I think that for a while it will be significantly worse, and that's even before you get into what you do when you know the first time the technology doesn't work the way that it's supposed to how right. you implement a system like that and calibrate it in a way that actually makes it work across all 30 ballparks because that is not a given that we should assume um every time we have new strike zone technology there's there's a long period of calibration issues that have to get sorted, which again, like none of that is a reason to not necessarily do it, but I do think it's a reason to be very careful with the decision to do it eventually. And then to think really critically about how we do that implementation over how long a period, how much further does the technology need to advance from where it is now before we're comfortable sort of entering that tricky uh, adjustment period for players and also for fans. I mean, like we saw it when we were in fall league, they 
first of all, do not announce that they are using a RoboZone, which I think is cruel to the point of like <laughs> being a thing that you should be able to complain about to your union. They they ended up doing it towards the Did end. Did they? Yes. Ugh, that's good. That's and sometimes, good. Be- sometimes multiple times. Okay, because see, when we when they opened the thing, because uh, my first trip down this fall was right around the beginning of Fall League, and they did not announce that they were using a RoboZone, and there was a Phillies fan who was mad about it, and he gave the ump what for, and all he could do as the umpire was stand up there and take it, and he's getting abuse, and then there was uh, a run-scoring play, and he still had to get his little broom out and sweep up the plate and i was just like this is the most dehumanizing thing i've seen on a field in quite a while you are taking away the most important thing an umpire does and you are still asking him to sweep up terrible felt so i can't i can't quibble with the sweeping thing like well no you gotta do it that's part of the job you gotta do it well, but do you though? If the strike zone is electronic, I guess the the, the players should see it. <laughs> but wouldn't there be a way of? Isn't there then a way of displaying the strike zone in a way that is also superior, rather than have the dumb plate sit plate? on the ground? Well, I think like the have real- some sort of laser beam square that we get to see. If if you can make Tupac appear. Yeah. Why can't we have a laser beam rectangle? Or at the very least, it should be like, uh, you know, it should be like in the Jetsons. We should uh, we should have, what was the robot's Could name? Could drop on water the- on it, the strike zone appears. <laughs> like what, the was the, what was the name of the robot on the Jetsons? Rosie. Who's their maid? Rosie. Yeah, you should uh, you should have a, a you know a robot a maid. Robot maid. <laughs> yeah, who comes out there and sweeps up? If you're gonna have a robot zone, robot zone, you should have a you should have a robot maid. She had like little um, buttons on her person, as if to suggest she was wearing a shirt. But she was a robot. She didn't have on a shirt. She just had the the suggestion of a shirt. I don't. I never understood that part. I wonder if the, the, the giant RoboMade spaceship from Spaceballs is, like, laying somewhere in storage. Oh, right. The, pe- the piece of set or I'm just, whatever I'm you just call saying. it. I mean, that we have a bullpen great. cart. Yeah. No one uses yeah. the cart. I know. Not enough people do it. Even even in uh, even Sean Doolittle seems to have abandoned the use of the, the cart. I wonder if the perception is that it just takes too long, and after a while you're like, well, this feels very silly. I agree with you that there will be an adjustment period. Yeah. If and when and wherever it's implemented. The strike zone that the the robo-umps are going to call, folks, is just not what you're used to. No. Uh, it is not what any parties involved are used to. There will be pitches called strikes that the pitcher, catcher, and hitter all thought were not strikes. Yes. Um, there was a Zach Grinke curveball in Game 7 uh, that, you know, it's one of his... 68 mile an hour rainbow curveballs that dropped in. Nobody thought it was a strike in the mm-hmm. whole stadium, mm-hmm. and but it was a strike. Right. It went through the, the you know the strike zone on TV. Went. Yep. It said it was a strike. Yep. And um, you're gonna notice that it's different. Yep. And you're not gonna like it. Nope. Because I know you, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> you're not gonna like it. You're not gonna like it. 
You'll like that you get to not like it. Yes, that part we will be very amped for. You'll really will get a lot of squeeze a lot of content out of not liking it. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot of juice out of that particular fruit. But there will be it, loaded phrases associated with it. George Will is gonna write about it. Uh, I you know people thought that I was joking on you. You haven't been online, so you probably didn't even see this. You probably were blissfully. I really thought that George Will was already dead. I thought George Will was dead. I thought he had died. So then here he is writing this column being grumpy. I'm not saying I wanted him to be dead. That is not what I am saying, to be clear. I'm just saying I was under the impression that he had died. Sure. Like, uh, like, sa- like Urkel. Some yeah, people th- think some that, people think that, that uh, Jaleel White's dead. Really? I didn't know that. So yeah, it's just yeah. like that. That's That would be the second. Many people uh, are saying, many people are saying that I- Jaleel White is dead. <laughs> Oh, no. But yeah, I thought he had, uh, I thought he had passed away. And so uh, that that hour on Twitter after his uh, his grumpy, fussy little column came out was quite a journey for me. <laughs> Went on I a journey. Agree. It's fine. Yeah. You're allowed to like, you're, it's okay, you know, to, yeah. to not like the game you like changing. Yeah. That if they stopped okay. making pink grapefruit seltzer... I'd be like, oh, but I like pink grapefruit seltzer. Yeah. So it's okay. I'm not going to, but, you know, choose how you go about yeah. saying so. Yeah. I think that uh, as as with so many other things in life, uh, you know, like I statements, useful there. I statements are useful because what anyway. you can Yeah. You can say, like, I don't like a thing. You so like what you want. That's the So thing. you're still anti-RoboWomp. I'm trying to think yep. of the other the other ways that the RoboWomps in Fall League were interesting to me. I do like how there are some, uh, because of the extra beat that would, mm-hmm. you, in time, that would register because the ump's got a little earpiece in uh, and it's telling him, I don't know how, if there's a ball or a strike. And sometimes it takes a second. Mm-hmm. And so everyone waits a second for like these 50-50 balls and strikes, especially if it's you know, a two-strike pitch. Uh, with two outs, like the drama is heightened by this extra split second of time before the umpire calls ball or strike yes. that I really enjoyed, like immensely enjoyed that extra little dramatic <laughs> beat of everyone, including the umpire waiting. Like you can yeah. see him. You can see like, him Wait. tense. Yeah. That's every, awesome. Every muscle in his body is coiled, ready to, to, to punch out if needed or to grant the hitter his base. They're ready. They're standing there. Sometimes the hitters still got mad. You got to see someone get ejected because of the robo zone. Because they're joshing at a robot. Yeah. Yapping. Yapping at a robot. People, yeah, it doesn't stop the players from getting pissed. No. Nope. Um, uh, pitchers, too. Uh, and um, But more often the hitters. <laughs> so it was fascinating to watch. and. Yeah. I can imagine in a big league stadium. Oh man! The entire crowd just being silent for that split second. And then you know what'll happen? They'll still boo. They'll still boo. No, they'll go. Like I think the sound will change. I think the sound will be like a a sound of disbelief, like a a collective gasp. A collective like yeah, like (gasps) when the when the field goal hits the upright type of sound. 
is what the the crowd will start to make. So I think that that feeling, the feeling of not knowing and just something being true or not, rather than being able to direct anger at someone, it's not a feeling you get to experience a lot Mm -mm. in baseball right now. Everything is somebody's fault (laughs) in baseball right now, if you want Mm -hmm. it to be, if you want it to be. And so I'm moving toward accepting it. I have been an unintended consequences guy to this point. But I'm moving toward acceptance. Um, And so I'm not there yet because I still think that at some point in the continuum of baseball, my laptop's taken off. (laughs) Sorry, David. I promise I'll get a new one soon. (laughs) Just as soon as the book is done, I just want to write the book on this lousy old laptop. And then I'll be done with it and I'll get a new one. Um, But sorry, David, for the noise and and listeners. I have an old laptop that I refuse to get rid of until I'm finished with this thing. Um, And so anyway, uh, as if that should inform how I feel about the robot umps. But um, but yeah, so like at some point in the continuum of baseball – we will just not have them, whether it's at double A yeah. or depending on what happens with the minor league contraction and all that stuff. Uh, we will just have human umpires, and the change from human umpires to robot umps is going to be pretty violent, and it's going to make my job harder um, because it's yeah. going to mean more noise. In you know, there's a thing that changes, right? Um, and so you know, just you say Kikuchi yeah. did not pitch very well this year no. because the baseball is different. I, this is my theory. You know, like the seams allow him to manipulate the baseball in such a way in Japan right. that he was unable to over here. Yeah. Uh, he, his stuff looks better over there with that baseball than it does over here. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I'm gun-shy of stuff like that. Yeah. And so at some point, I'll have to... And it's the same thing you have to do. You have to adjust for stats in the Cal League and all this. We'll have to learn how to adjust um, how we think about those guys, and we will. But I don't want to have to. I just want to, you know, yeah. that's work. Yeah. <laughs> that's another thing I have to worry about. Yeah. So I'd rather not. But, I th- you know, I'm moving toward acceptance. Well, you'll have to persuade me, but I'm, I'm open to persuasion. I don't want to be – I don't want to be George Will. First of all, I would prefer that people be very clear about whether Some I'm of us are just going to be George Will. No, I don't – but see, I really am – I mean, I don't have many goals in my life, but avoiding that fate is one of them. So I, I will be open to persuasion, uh, but I'm still going to be very nervous about these guys having to then sweep up after they have no power left. So I, I'll continue to be nervous about that. We are coming up on an hour, and so I think that what we will do is mm-hmm. save the minor league realignment conversation for deeper into the post or the off season. It's the off season now. Thursday. It's Thursday. Yep, it's the off season. Do you want to do what other superficial or um, like fall league stuff that struck you while you were here? Because you ended up People coming down should... twice because you got invited to Saber. That's right. People should go to fall league. Um, it is a lovely time of year to be in Arizona, so that's one thing. I um, don't have them being in their actual big league clubs uniform as a uh, point of reference personally, but I would prefer that fall leaguers wear 
their club's big league uniforms as opposed to wearing the uniforms of their fall league team, which they did this year. It made things trickier than it needed to be in terms of identifying who, especially, uh, you know, relievers coming out of the bullpen were. And I think that for fans who are going to want, who want to get excited about their favorite team's uh, top prospects, it is just a lot easier to be able to look on the field and be like i am a fan of the of the cleveland indians and those are my dudes those are the ones i should worry about the most and it just makes it easier for all of us who are there trying to figure out who the heck that lefty is to be able to say well you know he's wearing an astros uniform there are only so many yeah i think think that change a bunch of things yeah i Um, i did not like um i don't like that we're done with fall league now uh, and that the conclusion of it preceded the end of the world series because now we just have no well we have i guess we have some winter league baseball um in the dr but we don't we don't have any stateside baseball to watch so that's right. a bummer yeah so i wonder um, if they'll reconsider that schedule change but yeah i think that that's the biggest downside of the schedule moving up. So the Fall League is under new leadership this year after being uh, under the same, like, person or core group of people for the entire, like, entirety of its existence at this point. Um, And so the things they changed were they moved the schedule up, like, a month. Instead of it being done the week or two before Thanksgiving, we were done, uh, like, in the middle of the World Series, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's less baseball for you guys to watch, yep. right? Like, you could just have a couple weekends worth of folly broadcasts to look forward to at this point still. Um, rather than, you know, like they streamed a couple games this year. The the presence of folly on MLB Network dwindled this year and on Sirius XM Radio as well because of the yeah. timing. Um, and so that was a bummer for folks who like to watch and listen to baseball. Yeah. Um, I agree with you on the uh, – they did a good job redesigning the logos and the caps mm-hmm. so to add, like, a splash of color to the league um, that wasn't there before. But the uniforms, yeah, like, families who are in from Chicago to get – to escape the cold. Right. Uh, or wherever want to just know who to send their kid to to get an autograph from. Yep. And um, it's just way easier for them when the kids are wearing – their parent orgs yeah. uni. Yeah. So that would definitely be better um, and better for the scouts as well. Like yeah. everyone had a hard time identifying guys throughout the fall. Yeah. Uh, so that stuff was not great. But they, they're trying to address the autograph problem. There are a lot of people who hound players for autographs in ways that um, breach etiquette. Yeah. There's probably not an explicit autograph collector etiquette um folly should consider like drafting one and distributing it have you seen it get worse over time because you know you've seen you've seen a couple of these now (laughs) i have so i have a semi-symbiotic relationship with some of these people because (laughs) they have incentive to know information about where stuff is going on sometimes and also they are apt to just leave Folly games in the very early stages of the game, like between the anthem and first pitch, basically, when they can no longer get autographs because the players aren't, like, they're in the dugout now, time to start they, the game. They and did so, op- 
open up some uh, some. <laughs> they they opened up some nice parking. Right. So because of when they arrive to get as many autographs as they can, they get they have a good parking spot that they are then vacating, right as I am arriving at the ballpark. Yeah. Like I'll just walk in and sit down, like right as the top of the first is underway. Yeah. And because they vacated a lovely parking spot, yeah. especially at the again, this is another folly problem. The facilities, it was a rough go this year. Two of the ballparks typically used were under construction, right? And Salt River Fields, especially, was just overtaxed with stuff because they have like Taco Fest, yep. and the Spooktacular, and Mac and Cheese Festival. And they have, like, youth soccer games on some of the fields. And so there's parking for all of this shit. Yep. And the Fall League Championship game, like, on the same day as Spooktacular. Like, come on, man. Yeah. That's too much stuff. That's too much stuff. And also, don't make us feel bad about the Spooktacular. We love the word Spooktacular. Or I do. <laughs> Big fan of Spooktacular. It's oh, no. It's great. Everyone should be in on Spectacular is our... It's already... Eh. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, Eric. It's spooky. Spooky is it's a spooky. funner word. <laughs> Fine. I'll concede it. But, um, so yeah, Fall League, the fact that they're willing to make changes was good. Yeah. Um, these are the things, you know, in addition to evaluating the players that people care about. Yeah. Um, so it's it's good that they're they're open minded and that they're trying to shake things up. Yep. And that's fine. And they'll get it dialed in. This stuff will get dialed in. They know the uniforms weren't good. Yeah. It's do. fine. Yeah. It'll get It'll dialed be okay. in. Yeah. Trying trying stuff is good. We should uh, we should definitely support people trying stuff. Did anyone blow you away uh, talent wise while you were um, here? Mm. The games you and I were at together, Marsh went off. Yeah, Brandon Marsh, I did not really have an opinion of beyond what uh, what you guys had written for uh, Angel's stuff. So he popped, you know, like saying Royce Lewis is good was is sort of an obvious thing, but he was obviously good. So uh, that was that was fun to see. The pitching kind of underwhelmed, but we sort of knew that that would be true going in. Uh, for the Mariners fans who are watching, I was I, just because of how when I was down and him having injuries and wisdom teeth out, I wish I could have seen um, Kelnick, but what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. And Julio is giant. This is a giant human for a 19-year-old. 18-year-old, we decided? He's almost He's 19. Almost 19? I'm staring at the board right now. He's 18.8. Yeah. His birthday's in December. So, um He's just built like a linebacker, so going to be interesting to see how that progresses because I don't think there's yeah. room for much else on that frame, and you do start to wonder how he's, he's going to mash, able... though. Yeah, he's going to – I mean, like, to be clear, we are still very uh, oh, yeah. high on Julio. The bat's going to be incredible, but, like, you, you look at him and you're like, oh, right, this is why this isn't sticking in center. So, but that's okay. Corner, yeah. The corners will be fine because the bat's really good. So there you go. He's fine. He's fine. Um, and then, like, uh, you know, like the the Diamondbacks had some fun guys. Um, who am I thinking of? The D-backs guys? 
Yeah. Prudomo? Yeah. He was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, Prudomo was good. Yeah, there we go. That that's who I that was who I had in my brain. Um, man, I'd say hey, I get to take vacation soon, but I need to actually plan one for that to be true. Been very good at telling other people to take vacation, so that's, that's yeah. A thing. See, I know, but I know you're gonna just have people go hey hey yeah <laughs> May. yeah I'm taking See. I'm taking next Friday off. All right, Decided that's a that. start. Yeah, uh, the the movie theater here that does it's like an independent one that has an IMAX screen and uh, good chocolate popcorn and beer on tap and stuff uh, is playing Doctor Strangelove in seventy millimeter. It's not a thing. I'm going to go to that because I'll have to turn good. off my phone. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to inter intervene on my own worst impulses. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna try to see Doctor Sleep. Oh, if only because like th- because I love The Shining. Like, what am I gonna I do? Like, not see Doctor Sleep? I still, I still haven't um, been brave enough to do a Shining rewatch during this uh, particular uh, Halloween season, but I should probably do it because it's really good and it's scary in a delightful sort of way. I mean, it's not delightful; it's terrifying, but like in a way that you like. Like, oh, this is worth this is worth the scare. So I think I need to revisit that before I engage in uh, in Doctor Sleep, which also looks scary. Don't know about that. Um, I don't know. Do you have any final Fall League thoughts before we? Uh, I guess we're um, going to hear some some of the Fall League thoughts. On a Soon. more player by player basis, as we launch into list season, my stars. Oh yeah, here. so yeah, list season will start. Yeah. Uh, as soon as this book is done. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know the you know Brandon Marsh's swing is getting dialed in so that he can hit for power. Yeah. I didn't see as much O'Neill Cruz as I wanted to. Nobody did. He just didn't play the last couple weeks, and his playing time was sporadic in general. And he, um, he ended up not getting in on the fan vote for the Fall Stars game. Yeah, that bummed me out. Yeah, it was a bummer. Uh, Vidal Brujan, mm-hmm. the Rays middle infielder, um, is a lot of fun to watch and is just like a, a top of the scale athlete who swings with just much more force than a five foot nine hundred fifty five pound twenty uh, one year old should be able to. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops as a hitter. Um, because the quality of his at-bats in Fall League was just okay. Um, but he has historically performed statistically. Like, I'm just, you know, we've been all in on the tools with Bruhan for a while now, uh, and he's continued to perform. But he and Royce Lewis, like, at-bat quality-wise, both in Fall League were just okay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, the sneaky top 100 guys in the league. Um, I would say if you're listening to this, then you probably have – precious few hours to go to the board and look at the fall league stuff um i'm going to pull that off and there's a premier 12 international tournament that's going to start uh november 2nd and so i'll have stuff on prospects from premier 12 on the seasonal ingredients tab of the board the 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 pumpkin spice tab yeah like this is right it's the pumpkin spice (laughs) of uh of the board is Whatever the seasonal, I guess the fall league is the pumpkin spice, and then yeah. this is what would the winter flavor be? I guess this is like peppermint. Yeah, peppermint mocha. The the Netflix Christmas movie slice of the board. 
but there are some interesting players who uh, just like haven't been on the board before, but will be on team lists this off season. Um, who will be in this seasonal like selection? Um, mostly players from like Taiwan or Japan, um, uh, including some guys who just like you should just know about if you're going to watch the the tournament stream, which I think you're able to do through the WBC or uh, the WBSC website, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the WBSC website, I think, is going to stream Premier 12. Cool. Um, and there are good prospects playing. So if you're thirsty for baseball, everyone should watch it. We're always thirsty for baseball. Joe Adele, so Andrew Vaughn, go watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Adele. You'll know who to watch for because they'll be on the board. Yeah. Joe Adele, another giant. Just big dude. Yeah. Yeah, big dude. Um, so we will have we will have that update coming soon. We will uh, be inundating everyone with lists once they kick off. Uh, you're on Twitter in a technical way, but in a not very active way, which I uh, continue to be envious of every single day that I wake up. Your laptop's about to take off. Uh, so it's I think worse. it's getting worse. So I think we'll call it there before um, you launch into space. But, uh, Eric, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Meg. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.